In today's episode of Talent Savvy, we will be talking about the Corporate Careers website. Based on a research in the Netherlands of the 500 biggest employees, what does the Corporate Careers website look like and what can you learn from them? Enjoy the show. Welcome to Talent Savvy, the podcast that inspires you on all things talent. From the Netherlands, I am Bas van der Hattert. I'm from Canada. This is Marlies Farrell. And Marco Dalmeijer, also from the Netherlands. So today we are talking about corporate careers websites. And this is kind of an oddball because we're actually talking about research, which I did or actually had done this summer. I always have a group of students looking through the 500 plus biggest corporates in the country. And with corporates, I mean corporate government agencies, governments, everybody who's actually employing people. And I researched them on over 100 data points, which goes from usability to uh, graphical design, from the actual application process to the content, which is on there, and the mobile experience, the job ad. And we actually also apply at each of these companies and see how the process goes and if we're ghosted. So I'm not going to go through the entire report. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. But I'm really curious, Marlies. What was for you the most weird, interesting, unexpected number which you found in the research? Yeah, so I think for me, the most interesting or one that I probably wouldn't have thought of myself was diversity shown in pictures, which was that, you know, essentially that 50, around 50% had like, multiple photos of kind of non-white employees, which I kind of pondered whether that would be kind of like unique to the Netherlands, that type of number. So I found that just kind of interesting and something I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't have thought to look at on the site. Do, do you think the number is low or high? I think a lot of career sites don't have photos on like the job ads themselves or things like that. So I think the number is probably about what I expected. But I just would never think to look for that stat. No, it's, it's it's actually something we've only been measuring for a few years because actually because of one of the award winners from a different award who actually made an insane amount of applications go through by adjusting the pictures on the career sites or actually on the vacancies itself to match the photos in their Facebook targeted ads and making sure that a woman also sees a photo of a woman next to the job ad and a Muslim sees one of a Muslim and that they were age appropriate from the ads which were clicked on. And they managed to increase the number of applicants so much that I was like, hmm, if photos mean that much, shouldn't we be measuring? Mm -hmm. And actually what we saw the very first few years that I was measuring this we saw it radically go up because all of a sudden everybody became aware like, oh yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, I'm not saying that every employer brand person in the Netherlands reads this, but every employer brand agency (laughs) reads my reports. So they were all of a sudden putting it, you know, with their clients, like, shouldn't we at least have a few other people in the photos as well? So it did go down, which is surprising for me in the pandemic. Yeah. Marco, what was the most amazing number you found in there? Yeah, for me. So I I also would like to come back on this discussion and on this number Mm -hmm. and uh, on on these findings, because I remember 
a few years ago, it was, you know, a big topic in the Netherlands indeed. So maybe we can have a little discussion on that later. For me, what really st- stands out was the 3.3 on podcasting. So as Boss knows, you know, I was also speaking at, at his event uh, about employer branding and podcasting. I'm a huge fan of podcasting. You see like millions of podcast episodes coming up every day, huge potential, and then only 3.3 uses it on a career platform. So I've yeah, there's still a lot of space to grow on that on that number, I think. Yeah, to, to comment on that, these are the people who are actually linking it from their careers websites. I'm actually pretty confident that there are more companies doing podcasting. It's just that then they forget to integrate it with their careers websites, which is, I think, a complete and total fluke, but yeah, that's just me. That's quite a waste, right? If you do that, <laughs> why yeah. do you do it then? <laughs> no, but Marco, that's the one thing, but we'll get back to that later after we answer the photos question. The reusing of content yeah. is, I think, the main mistake that's made at career sites. But you wanted first to... Let's go back to your the point of the photos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for example, when I was working at Lidl, you know, if you want to have a representation of like the audience you're looking for, which is also in, in this case, the client, you know, and which is, the, is your society, you also have to show that on your career platform. So your audiences, which you're, you're looking for has, you know, they have to resonate what they see on your platform. If they don't, of course, they will be less enthusiastic to to apply but i remember that a few years ago i don't know three four years ago this was a, a big thing because i remember you know the discussion about man and woman for example was also a big topic in the netherlands i'm not sure how it was in canada i'm released for example we changed so for every picture on our career plat- platform we say okay can we also do we also have a, a woman for this picture if eventually you know you see also more income of applicants which are women Hmm. Yeah, what you show in your career platform also has effects on, on your applications. Yeah, what, what I've noticed when I'm doing career sites and, and, and advising or in some case actually being the project lead on those, I was at a big semi sort of government agency at, at a certain point. So I literally asked them, like, uh, we needed to have new photos for the career sites. A lot of people left, et cetera, et cetera. So I basically just send out... A request like who wants to be on the photo and the very first thing which comes back is only the ethnic dutch people were coming like yeah yeah i don't mind being photographed so what i actually started doing and we had like a decentralized hr so i literally sent to the, the different hr managers like listen we're gonna have a photo shoot soon Based on the database we already have of employees on photos, and these are going to not just be used for the career side, but also for other things, I would like for you, from you, because we had like 25% of our employees were of a, a diverse, non-ethnic background, you know, non, non-white background. And they were actually, uh, so I literally sent to this one HR manager, like, I'm looking for 30-year-old, because we had a very high average age, so I needed to <laughs> lower the age of the photos as well, because almost all of them were, were over 50. So I was like, I'm looking for 30-year-olds, preferably from a Middle Eastern background. I'm looking for 40-year-old women, preferably from an African background. 
and they immediately came up with a person like, oh, that would this person would be perfect. This person would be perfect. And none of them had a problem finding anybody and none of them had a problem asking anybody. But I had to be specific which were, with what I was looking for. Well, if you just ask, mm -hmm. do you have some people representing the community? I mean, we had 25% non-white people working there, but 100% of the people you think about because you're looking like for the prototype employee, in our case, would have been you're 50 plus white men because we had an insane amount of those. Yeah. So by actually being very specific about what you were looking for, and we had the most amazing photo shoot with, with amazing photos coming out of that. But but Berlice, would you say this is not a, an issue? It wasn't an issue in, in Canada or? No, I, I think like, you know, definitely career sites need to be like representative no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. because otherwise, like, I know, for example, when I used to apply for jobs at startups, if their only picture on the website was, like, 10 guys in a room, I wasn't sure, like, how I was going to like working there. So I think it's an issue universally, and I know the few times I've worked on building career websites, I've definitely tried to have, like, a diverse group of people, whether ages or things like that. So I think it's definitely something... That I think about, but I had never seen like data connected to the application. So I think that part I find particularly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Marlies, I'm curious because you just said a few, a couple of times I've been involved in building a careers website. From a Canadian perspective, what are the first things you're looking for? How does that process work in Canada? I mean, I assume you have specialized career sites agencies as well, or? Probably, but I think being at startups, I've never had the budget to use it before, if that makes sense. So yeah. what I actually usually start with is like building the employee value proposition if it doesn't exist already. So that often is like interviewing employees, fo either focus groups, interviews, probably in most cases, like a combination of both. And then taking a look at like, who do we actually want to hire? So when I did this at properly, you know, we segmented employees and we looked at some of the top performers and what they looked for in a workplace and what was important to them. And we kind of narrowed down our what value we provided to employees other than like compensation, like what else is valuable about working there. So I think you always have to start with your employee value proposition and then kind of figure out what's the story that we want to tell? How are we going to attract the right people? And then, of course, you know, I think over time you can build it up. Do you add testimonials? Do you add employee stories? I think it's good when you share your interview process or there's a link to some tips or things like that. But I think it kind of depends on the brand and what types of applicants you're trying to attract and maybe what your brand looks like already. Because in the case of sometimes young startups, you really are starting like when somebody goes to your career site, they probably don't know a lot. They may not owe almost nothing. So how can you kind of educate them and get them excited and get the right type of candidate excited that would enjoy your jobs or your culture and things like that? Yeah, and uh, culture is also something that's specific to that startup, right? Or company, whatever. Because mm -hmm. if you look, and that's also, plus, you know, I was looking at, at the report and, you know, you're comparing, of course, all the corporate, uh, the big corporate websites between each other. And so you see a lot of like companies like copying each other, right? So what, you know, if you build a recruitment platform, you know, what makes your company stand, really stand out 
towards the other company. Because if you have two startups and they start with an EVP and they have their testimonials and their culture and blah, blah, blah. And what makes it unique, you know, because if you have the two next to each other, often the work is quite similar, right? Because you, you're looking for tech, probably tech people. How, you know, that's always a challenge, right? Yeah. Especially if you look, also look at the numbers, you know, you see a lot of things doing the same, a lot of companies doing the same. Yeah, and I'm, but I'm going to go one further because I totally agree that it matters how you separate yourself, but I think it's actually more important where you put that content because mm-hmm. data always shows that about 95% of all your people visiting your careers websites will never see anything else than the job description. Mm. So I'm not saying employer brand content isn't important, but it's only important after you've convinced people that you've got a job for them. At least that's what the data I usually see about 85, 90% of the people come in through a job description. And what I'm always very surprised about to find is that actually the quality of job descriptions isn't just bad in how it's written, but it's also not designed really well. And especially, even more important, on mobile, which is actually one of the figures I always love to look at. If you look at the mobile time, is it readable? Is it accessible on mobile? Can you apply on mobile? That's, of course, also a very interesting one. But if you look at how the uh, job ads on mobile devices, only 11.5% were ranked good. 66% acceptable, 22.5% were deemed terrible. So... You've got these people wanting to look at your job ad. Usually that's the first place they come in touch with your organization. And that's actually why, uh, where I come back to reusage of content. You've built this beautiful, amazing employer brand content. Sometimes films, sometimes podcasts, sometimes a lot of photography usually. And yet we all put it in a section somewhere which nobody's ever going to read. I think the usually the most viewed content page is 1% of all your visitors and not at the place where everybody's seeing them. Yeah. I also believe, Boss, that you don't really like building your employer brand. It's not what you do in your career platform, right? It, it, it adds on, of mm-hmm. course, to make a decision. But building an employer brand is more generic. You know, it's also, it's, it's there with universities. It is everywhere. You know, you, you can bring it into the forest, whatever, you know, go crazy. So I also believe, you know, that I remember like 10 years ago, you know, there was so much clutter on, on career platforms, like so many blogs, so many articles, so many videos, so many, you know, you, and eventually people come to your career platform to apply. And uh, so I believe so that, that these numbers say the right thing then. I agree that the thing you do need to realize is that your careers website shouldn't be counterintuitive to your personal, to your employer brand. Mm -hmm. Because I've actually been to companies who put themselves forward as the most innovative company in the world and then have a register to apply. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry. And then everybody's like, yeah, apparently you're not that innovative or that you're extremely candidate friendly and your application process takes more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah. You so you should know what hygiene's what the hygiene level should be for a career platform, which is below five minutes or whatever. You know, you, so you should build your career platform on those like indicators, right? But yeah, but also if you look at the, the, the design, right? Thirty-five percent of all the careers websites have text and images in the vacancy, and eight percent were deemed awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And th- but this is the first touch point for your EVP. And I'm always surprised. And I got to tell you, in the Netherlands, it's, I think, a lot better than in most other countries, mainly because, well, I've been doing this research for 17 years and I've been harassing people about it for for 17 years now. And, And because we've got really great agencies here that are doing an amazing job. But whenever I look at an American or an Australian or a UK uh, I haven't looked at many Canadian sites, to be honest, but I'm, I'm seeing this beautiful front full of employer brand content, amazing videos. You can just see that they spend maybe a hundred grand on that, but then their vacancy is basically nothing other than, you know, the ATS vacancies. Yeah. So the problem is not with the career platform, but more with the ATS uh, builder, <laughs> which are Often quite boring, right? No, but it, it has to do with the agency because you don't have to use the ATS. Yeah, but sometimes, Spos, to be honest, you know, a big corporate, you have like agreements and then you should work with their with their ATS and they, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's always a struggle, right? Because especially if you're really big, I'm not sure, Melise, now at Pinterest, how it works, what kind of ATS you have, if you have a global player or more local. Yeah, we're uh, with uh, Greenhouse. A Greenhouse. I always hear very good things about greenhouse, but if you, for example, uh, like in the back days at Taleo or something, or <laughs> yeah, but even Marco, even with Taleo or Success Factors, you can still build a really good job ad. I mean, one of the nominees for the award uses Success Factors as an ATS, mm-hmm. but simply uses it as the ATS, not the candidate-facing part. You can still take the data from your ATS and have an agency yeah. using the API or using some kind of intermediary software. Yeah, and parse it. Yeah, And, and parse it and, and design it really well. I mean, actually, every ATS, you should never use your ATS on your website. I mean, your ATS is, at least, your candidate shouldn't be bothered by your ATS. Yeah. Whatever ATS you're using. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not always that easy to be uh, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, if it was if it was easy, I would have been out of a job by now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Marlies, any other interesting figures you found in the research which you were like, "Oh, that's really cool." I don't know if this is really cool. It's almost the opposite, but I was like shocked that 25% were ghosting applicants. That felt high. It is high. But within the realm of possibility i've been hearing that ghosting has been going up over the last couple of months with like the market <laughs> being the way it is and i guess your data kind of proves that point it's the second highest i mean we've been doing this research for uh, well I, i've been doing the award for 17 years the research for 15 because i took a covid break uh, with which research but it's the second highest i've seen in all those 15 years only the year that lehman brothers fell we saw with close to 30% a higher ghosting percentage. It was shocking. I can't say anything else. Yeah. Marco, any other numbers you were... Yeah, I think still the, the language, you know. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, we, if you look at the labor market and, uh, and the challenges we have on that level, uh, I think you should choose a language which is more inclusive. The majority of all the corporate websites are still in Dutch. So uh, I'm quite surprised by that. 
Well, first of all, I disagree. I think you should have your website in Dutch if you're hiring Dutch people in the Netherlands. That doesn't mean if you're if it's in Dutch, that doesn't mean there's not also an English version, right? It's in Dutch. What I'm actually surprised about is that because 62% is is completely in Dutch, at least available in complete Dutch, that almost 25% don't get their languages straight. So they just mix, and I don't mean you can choose. I mean you go from a Dutch page to an English page, or you have a Dutch vacancy with English yeah. headers. You know, just really that you're like, oh, come on, you should have fixed this. This is just wrong. Yeah, but but still, you know, I'm not sure how the labor market is in Canada, Marlies, but in the Netherlands, it's very challenging. Yeah. So I really think you should open up as a company and say, okay, this is the first language, which is, I think, English then. Of course, you have to be able to change that around to other preferred languages. But there are so many new like people that live in the Netherlands now, for example, they don't speak Dutch, and which are also very interesting audiences. And you miss them out now. So, yeah, I, I was surprised by that because I, I remember, you know, like 10 years ago, it was quite normal to have it. And then you have like this little translation button, you know, to go jump to mm-hmm. English, for example. Of course, you have you have Google now, so now it's quite easy now to, to translate it in any any language you want. But still, you know, make it easier and more inclusive with language. I think. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. But I like I said, the numbers, the sixty two percent, is that it is completely in Dutch, and it doesn't say that it isn't also in English. Yeah, yeah um, you're you're right. Yeah. I should rephrase that question and i'm gonna check next year thank you on uh, does it have multiple languages cool thanks but i if you if you're hiring which i think goes for all our non non-us and non-uk and non-australia based listeners you should always have a website in your own native language as well because i know a couple of companies uh, which uh, do not have that and they have for example extreme problems finding secretaries Mm-hmm. I actually had worked at one company which said our main language is English. And uh, wh- we actually had to really look hard for finding security guards, which were at that point, talking a few years ago, abundant. Mm-hmm. Yet they don't search in English. They don't look for security guard in the, the English ter- job. They look for a Dutch third, beveiliger. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Bas, what surprised you? Doing this research, were there any numbers that shocked you this year? I was positively surprised by the number of uh, uh, registered to applies, which was uh, less than 5% and which basically halved since uh, the pandemic. So apparently Dutch career site builders really did a great job on getting uh, that hurdle out of the way. I'm... And not surprised, but uh, uh, always negatively surprised that less than half of them have job alert service. So why why should you have a careers website and not a job alert service? I'm always positively and negatively surprised because it hasn't been growing that much for for some time. The fact that almost half of all Dutch employees mention the salary in a job in a job ad, which I think is uh, amazing. But the most Interesting one, and that's probably because it was a completely new question this year, is, is your cover letter still mandatory? Mm. Yeah. And it turns out that less than half of them 
45% still has a mandatory cover letter, 30% has it optional, and 25% doesn't even want one. Yeah. So that was actually uh, probably the most interesting one. And maybe one other one is the time it takes to apply, that you can apply at over 20% of the companies in less than a minute and in more than 50% of the companies within two minutes. So uh, apparently our application processes have really sped up. And I think that's actually one of my main takeaways. It is possible. You know? Yeah. 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 Question is, who who will go under a minute? <laughs> who will be the first one? <laughs> no, no, no. There are 20 percent who can where you can apply under a minute. Okay, under a minute. Under 20%. a minute. And there's about thirty five percent which takes one to two minutes. Hence the fifty percent under okay. two minutes. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them actually simply say, "Give me your name, your email address, your phone number, and upload your resume." Yeah. yeah. Done. You know, that's under Good. a minute. Going back to the cover letter thing, I've always felt cover letters, unless they're like very specific or whether or not they're actually like explaining a job change or a skill set change, they often hurt you more than they help you, I find, with cover letters. So I'm pleasantly pleased to see that less folks are requiring them because I don't think they usually are very beneficial to candidates. No, no, I agree. And I actually yeah. don't think they're very beneficial to the recruiter either because they're written with bias and you want the best candidate, Yeah, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> Marco, some final words for our audience on what should we be thinking about when we're talking about corporate careers websites? What, I yeah. mean, you, you are actually one of the first winners of my awards. I mean, yeah. now 15 yeah. years ago, I think, something like that. What's the, 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 the one advice you'd give people making a corporate careers website? Start off thinking of, the, of your audience, so the candidate. So put your candidate first. Yeah. Marlies, any good advice? Yeah, I would think very carefully about kind of who you're, you know, going back to the point about your audience, who are you trying to attract and what skill sets do you need? And are you putting your best foot forward for that group? So really think about what are the people I'm trying to hire looking for and how do I communicate what we actually value to them? I fully agree. And then I'm just going to take the last word myself. I would say start with your job ad. I mean, there isn't a place where you can actually design a really gorgeous job ad using text, video, photos, all kinds of images, add anything you want, give them a virtual tour of your office if that's relevant there isn't a place your content should really come together as the job ad is whatever you design make sure it's designable for the job ad as well and before you start spending an insane amount of money on employer brand content which i'm not saying is irrelevant start by making giving them a reason to actually look at it by giving them a really well designed job advertisement and on that note ladies and gentlemen I'd like, like to thank you all for listening. If you like our podcast, give us a rating, preferably being five stars, and we'll be back next week. Bye.